welcome guys uh, back to another episode of Across the Pond with me, Mark, and my good friend, Rich. Uh, we're going to talk about, as per usual, three or so things from each side of the pond and, you know, see where the correlations are, uh, see what the similarities are. How's it going, mate? How have you been? Good. Yeah, it's odd here because it's odd everywhere. It's odd on the internet. So the internet version of England is insane. The real world version of England isn't as insane, if that right, makes right. sense. You sure. know, there's two things going on here. How about you? Well, you know, like I said to you last time, America's two nations now. So if you live in Republican America, it's been life as normal for over a year. If you live in Democrat America, you're essentially living in the EU or Canada or Australia or everywhere else. So uh, where I live, things have been great, man, you know, and, and, and that's one of the so I, I know England and I do want to talk to you about this because I know that England as far as outside of Republican America is doing better than everywhere else, right? It's definitely freer than the EU and Australia and Canada right now. Can't say the same for the UK as a whole, but England specifically. Um, but I guess what I would, you know, speaking to my sister about this other day, she was talking about how, you know, generally, you know, people can still operate business as usual. And I said, the only way I would see a real glimmer of hope um, other than it coming from the people, of course, but I'm talking about from, from the state, would be if they actually banned vaccine passports. Because where I live in Arizona, but this is the case in Texas and Florida, um, Montana, Idaho, 20 of the 50 states, at least that I know of, maybe 30, have actually banned vaccine passports at the state Senate. So when they take that step, that's when you know they're serious, right? It's one thing to say in the Boris Johnson way, like, we're not going to enforce them, we're just not going to stop them which is still way better than the EU and Australia, and of course. So you've got to take the wins where you get them. But if they, if they took the steps that we've seen here, where they actually said, no, we're actually going to ban them, you are not allowed to use them, because of course they, they encroach on people's freedoms. And the whole idea of government is to protect the freedoms of the individual. That was the original idea, the Anglo form of government anyway, the English form of government. Um, so I guess we'll wait to see if that happens. But if that happens, I would be, I'd be really optimistic. But it's still better, man. I mean, the EU, Germany, Austria, France, Italy, just insane, you know? Oh, it's incredible. It's incredible. I kind of, well, obviously we're here. The first thing, obviously, Boris has come out a few days ago and said that if you haven't got your boosters, you're not considered uh, fully vaccinated, as we said that was going to happen <laughs> yeah. at the start. Don't sure. get on the train to to the prison camp because they won't let you off halfway through they're not going to stop for a wee break trust me so and it's like we told you this was going to happen so right. obviously people are kicking out and then obviously the more they push this the more people are going to kind of drop off and not do it so they've got a limited time every time they do that every more people just stop chasing the cheese mm -hmm. and um they're very limited and i don't think they're going to get anywhere near the finishing line but it's still excruciatingly insane and painful waiting for enough people to go fuck this this is ridiculous so obviously we've got that going on and he said that and obviously we told them people with two jabs now everyone i spoke to haven't don't want to get the boosters they've had two and there's enough of this so no. i can't see it going any much further although they will try and push it so that's where we're at here so the prime minister says here this is from the uh, i believe the standard um the prime minister said that a third dose was likely to become the norm as that word again um, for travelling abroad as he urged Britons, Britons to come forward and get vaccinated. Speaking at Downing Street press conference on Tuesday night, he said the government would give plenty of, would give, like 
we're asking them to give anything. We'll give plenty of time before making a third vaccination mandatory. Like, we'll give you. Well, that's all right. We'll give you. We're not asking you to give anything. This is the wording again. It's like we're, right. we're not asking for anything for you to give. This is their, how they're, how insane they are. Like, that's all right. We'll get, where did you put, where did you, where do you think you are in the hierarchy of my life to think that you can give me anything that I already have? Like, you're not going to give me time. I'm just not going to do it. It's like, it's absurd. It's like, you're, well, they get their, they get their, they get their orders from people that think they're God, right? Which we've yeah, talked yeah. about many times. Mm. So because that, the way that, you know, prime ministers and presidents see it, it's like, oh, I'm following the orders of, of God. So I have the authority, right? In this case, the God might, might be Sabbateans or well, I, I don't even know if they know about those, to be honest. But, you know, or it could even just be technocrats, right? It could even be that, that Schwab and Dates and Zbigniew Brzezinski and these types, right? The, they, they are the... The authority in the world right so and so i take my orders from the authority so i can do what i want right you know it's utter nonsense of course but you know it's how they justify it to themselves it's how they justify a lot of the stuff that they do it's interesting because if we think about like so johnson's a great example and we've talked about this i think briefly before but everyone calls him boris and the linguistics right the linguistic control of language is of course critical um, and there's something very, you know, pernicious about that. It's like, oh, you know, it's Boris, right? Boris, he's a mate. He's my friend. <laughs> We've crafted a brand of someone who's like a guy you'd go for a pint with. And because of that, you know, it's almost like everything he does is a friend doing it to you. And it almost makes it even more psychopathic because at least with Biden, with Biden, it's like Biden is like a bumbling mess, obviously, right? Like, and not only is he not even capable of being a dictator, if he was, he would be the shittest dictator, right? <laughs> like he's like dribbling while he's like execute them. Yeah, but, you know, so, yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, he probably has taken a crap halfway through his speech. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, you think about that, it's like, that's to me preferable because it's like, not only is he obviously what he is, it's very hard to hide, but it's also just hard to take seriously. And I find... Boris is a really good example of, of the controller language and, and how that influences people, you know? Yeah. I didn't even actually think of that. I think about calling him Boris. And I mean, what do we call the other? Do we call Tony Blair? Tony, we called him his full name, Tony Blair. Right. Didn't we? Hillary, Did we... Hillary Clinton has that as well. Right. People <laughs> yeah, call yeah. her Hillary. Um, that didn't work out so well though. Cause that, <laughs> no, when you say didn't. Hillary to me, I think of like psych psycho, the film, or I feel of like a bunny boiler, that type of kind of, uh, yeah, hand that rocks the cradle type image to me. Yeah, That's what that brings right. out. I can imagine a horror film being called Hillary, just that. I think most people feel that way about Hillary these days, you know, but, but we have to bear in mind that it was decades of using it that way where it did work for a really long time, right? Like even you have Trump, the supposed crusader for us, right? <laughs> Who said uh, in 2008 in an interview when she was, when she didn't win the primary for Democrat president, right? And Obama did because that was the necessary narrative and uh, you know Trump was saying oh Hillary's great you know she's a great wife she's a great leader all these things so it was only 2008 right so in the decades leading up to 2016 um, I think that first name basis really worked for her even though she's obviously a psychopath like really I am not saying that like flippantly like Boris Johnson isn't does he have psychopathic tendencies yes but there's no way to say he's a psychopath he doesn't 
Hillary, though, for sure, right? Just like Father George Bush, for sure, right? Uh, Gates, some of them were just... Dan Andrews. Psychopaths. Dan Andrews is, is clearly a psychopath. Um, right. Yeah. Can't remember the other guy I was looking at the other day. Also, Nicholas Sturgeon, I would say she's a, probably a psychopath. There is a feeling Jeez. of them. They, these people are unhinged. Dan Andrews, absolutely. And what's the Trudeau? Psychopath, I would have to say. Pretty close to. Yeah, I would say um, Trudeau like Emmanuel Macron and those types are more just like on the heavy narcissist uh, side of things, which is still very destructive. It's just that psychopath is a very specific type, right? And psychopaths almost have no emotion. So you have to think of it more like a narcissist is someone who is completely self-inflated, right? Completely self-involved and would still kill for their own self-involvement. But they do have emotion and that's actually part of why they inflate themselves so much because they have emotion. Uh, when you get to true psychopaths like a Father Bush or a Hillary Clinton, um, there there really isn't any emotion involved. They're just too cold to even want to get to that point, right? So to them, it really is truly just ends justify means, you know. Um, mm. I so I actually want to bring up a point because I guess I don't know if we we can count that uh, count that maybe as the first point, but the White House's statement over Christmas. I don't know if you saw it, but it was. It was genius. So just before Christmas, they said, uh, message to the vaccinated. If you're vaccinated, uh, you know, enjoy your Christmas with with your friends and family. If you're unvaccinated, you're in for a Christmas season of severe death and disease. (laughs) I was like, this is the White House. I bet you get that in a Christmas card. You're like, thanks, Arnie Merrill. Uh, Oh, man. I'll put that on on the mantelpiece with all the other death threats. You just can't make it up. So it's like you're basically telling... 30 to 40 percent of the nation like you're in for a severe winter of death and disease so now i'm starting to say that over christmas i was like it is the season of to be jolly for severe death and disease you know that's what i'm going to start calling christmas from now on the yeah. season of death yeah the the winter plague or the or the yeah the yeah tinselitis it's just that was a good absolutely one. ridiculous that's a great one so what who, who said that was who came that out and said that? That was Biden. Well, yeah, it was a, there was a White House press statement. So, yeah, it's cleared by by the so-called president of the United States of America. So, Who's the yeah. red-haired lady who just talks, seems to speak for him? Who's that? Jen Psaki. Right. Yeah. She's, uh, yeah, they're all just, you know, mouthpieces, right? Like, they just throw in some mouthpiece who, again, doesn't really have a conscience, doesn't really care, you know, and, and she gets asked questions all the time, you know, by reporters. Sensible, logical questions like if there's a vax mandate for the population of America, why are there 200,000 illegal immigrants coming across the border who don't have a vax mandate? And then she'll just be like, oh, we, we really care about the mandates and then move on to something else. I'm like, that's that's not really an answer. But they, they have they think they have it all sewn up so much that they don't even have to give an answer anymore. Even though that like 20 years ago, you would have had to have answered that question to to continue right like uh but we've had so many psyops and erosions of our culture of our history of our community of our faith all of the things uh to this point where you just don't even have to anymore people are so broken that you can literally just say no move on yeah. <laughs> like this actually a real question. i think i've seen her do that like just literally not answer the question or answer ask answer the question with the question mm-hmm. and it's like and she's got a screw loose but she knows you're doing it so she hasn't got a screw loose obviously but it's what she has but not to that level she knows exactly what she's doing i've seen her do that as well and we have that here as well we have like chris witty i mean to me 
Chris Whitty seems like he would be on the level. He looks like a psychopath. Like he literally looks dead inside. If you were going to pick anyone to do your NHS adverts, he would be the least person mm-hmm. you would pick. You're like, if you did a screen test, you'd go, fucking hell, you scare the kids. He was, he looks dead in his eyes. That sure. man, I don't know if he is a psychopath. I don't, he just seems dead. He's like a, a robot. They just shove him up there. He mumbles a bit and he, he wanders off. He doesn't seem like malevolent. He just seems dead. Mm. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think the the people that are in the, uh, we generally see this anyway in trends that, you know, so for example, scientists, doctors, lawyers are hiring the psychopathic. They attract psychopaths more than, of course, if you're a construction worker or, or even, you know, I guess like a nurse, for example. And there's psychological reasons for this. You know, you have to be more agreeable psychologically to be a, a nurse, for example. You have to, generally speaking, there's always exceptions, of course, uh, care more about people because you're dealing specifically with the care of people but as a doctor as a scientist and we see this with brain surgeons I believe most of all at least I haven't looked at this in about three or four years but at that point uh, that was higher in psychopathy for example than even your average GP so there's there's a there's a gradient right it's not a line it, there's just a gradient where you collect more psychopaths as you go up the gradient depending on certain type of roles and scientific and uh operational medicine roles do have a higher echelon of psychopaths which sort of makes sense right it's like you almost have to have that if you're i know just to play devil's advocate to really be a good brain surgeon you almost have to be cold right it would be hard to be a good brain surgeon because you'd be like one one wrong move this person's dead now if you just look at the brain as a machine it's much easier to do the job right so there's probably a sense where it could work. You just got to make sure that they're not trusted with anything important outside of the job, right? And uh, so anyway, the point is, is that Witty and the likes of Gates or likes of anyone in these chief scientific roles, whether it be global or national, yeah, it, it, it's pretty much proven that that is more psychopathic attracting than most other jobs. I assume that they, they're trained or they're brainwashed, probably is more the better term, to see people as commodities as the movable pieces not people and even but you you kind of like think well how can you go home like Boris Johnson I think he's had two kids in the last nine months somehow and he's how can you go home and be with your children and not see the correlation between what you're doing by mandating these things for parents and seeing that the fact that there's tens of thousands of people are dying from these vaccines and then go home and then put your kids to bed that's that's the hard thing to kind of compute where does Boris the demented politician end and when does daddy start do you know what mm. i mean just really yeah hard. well i think that's what um i'm not a fan of freud by the way i i prefer jung to freud although i'm not really a huge fan of the psychological discipline in general because most of the good psychology is just philosophy uh downgraded without some of the objective science in it uh, and we see this in many of the therapists for example cognitive behavioral therapy which is seen as this massive psychological breakthrough is 2000 year old greek stoic philosophy just rebadged and pretended to be something new uh the idea of like leaning into suffering the idea of embracing the issue you have cognitive behavioral therapy uh, apparently this revolution well epictetus is talking about that in 50 ad i have the book so anyway but one thing that I think Freud did 
fairly well. And there was one instance where this is relevant, which is that sort of that, that split, that fetishist split, right? Which is the idea that you, you kind of play a persona and you're a persona here and you're a persona here. And when you move from persona A to persona B, uh, you're, you're changing roles. Like persona A is not persona B. So you're no longer the same person, right? So in the case of Johnson, you go from mass death to being a dad, you've, you've literally switched roles. And Tony Blair, this is especially true in psychopaths, Tony Blair absolutely being a psychopath. Um, he's the best example of this, right? You, you may remember, Rich, if we go back in time, when uh, after he was wrapping up his tenure as prime minister, he, he converted to Catholicism. I don't know if you remember that. Right. Well, the actual conversion to Catholicism isn't really relevant. What the relevant part is, is the conversion itself. See what you what happens is he's gone from being persona A to persona B, right? So he's gone. Oh no, no, Tony Blair persona A was the one that killed all those people in Iraq and Afghanistan. I'm now persona B, Tony Blair, Catholic, new man, right? Different persona, different person. So often this is this is really how they think, and we all think this to a degree. We actually have to. Like you can't be. You can't be the same person in this conversation that you are to your baby boy, right? Yeah, like, I, I was can't. thinking the same thing, is that before we start recording, even the moment we know we're recording, we go into recording voice or recording, Richard. <laughs> yeah. You know, recording, Mark. It's only, but but that's a slight upturn, isn't it? That's mm -hmm. like also just turning the mic up a little bit on stage. It's kind of your performance, right? This, we're talking about that shot to the moon here. And also, right, right, right. and split off as well. Like, I still know <laughs> yeah. I'm dad, Richard. I don't pretend that, that dad Richards just doesn't exist anymore. And I'm, I'll, I'll stop recording and go, oh, right. And I forgot what recording Richard was like. They, they we get into MK, MK Ultra type um, areas there, can't we? Sure. With, in the personalities. Yeah. And that, that, that term is especially fitting, right? Where a lot of these uh, elites are actually the most abused people. Um, something that I know you know a lot about this, but often most people don't know that that actually the likes of the royal children were probably more abused than any abuse they've done, you know, and uh, that does fracture one's persona. And that certainly does fracture compartmentalize the brain. And I guess to bring it back to the subjects we're talking about right now, that is exactly what's happened globally. This, this split, right? And now you are uh, March, 2020, you went through a conversion. You're a new, you're a new man, new woman. Now you are a new human. You're a, you're a, um, you live in this new era, right? COVID is like, it is like BC. It really is. It's like before Corona, February 2020 is BC before Corona, right? <laughs> and now we live in- It is, isn't it? Uh, huh? What's it? AD, what would AD be good for? After distancing, yeah. whatever. So in this sense, we've gone from February 2020 was BC and, and that's how monumental this has been to the world and to most people's. Oh, I did the Illuminati pyramid there. I was giving away my secrets <laughs> just so the- Satanic. Just let it go like, up like that a little bit. And then, yeah, got to just yeah. get it over the eye. Yeah, uh, that was just me signaling I need an upgrade on my bank account to the secret elite if you watch my videos. So um, anyway, so that's kind of what we've seen globally. We've seen this go through uh, a persona transition like en masse in real time. And that's kind of the craziest thing about it. I sent a newsletter, end of 2021 uh, newsletter, kind of highlighting what we need to do in this new year and how we really need a mindset shift. 
And one of the things I was saying is that the most bizarre thing about this transition to, to us has been the fact that we're not in the transition, right? Like that's what makes it almost so crazy is we're watching say 70, 80% of the population transform and we're not transforming with them. It's a good point. And it's yeah. weird, right? Yeah, it's like really it's, hard it's to- It's even like, I think I sent it to you, but the, the Rockefellers call it the great transition. Behind yes. the great reset is the Rockefellers' great transition, which not a lot of people, I found that out from Willie Webb, and I didn't even know that until about three, four months ago. But mm -hmm. um, it is behind the great reset is hiding the great transition. And right. you're right. We're not in the transition. We're not coming along for the ride. Which is kind of weird. It makes you, it makes you, you know, a little bit crazy because you're sort of like, uh, even I don't ever doubt that we're correct because all the evidence is there. So, um, you know, I'm not taking it on faith. It's, it's, it's evidentiary. So I'm not, I don't ever go, hmm, are we wrong? No, because the evidence is pretty clear, but this reminds I do me of that often... Christian book. Sorry, that just sorry, you, that, the left behind. I don't think I've read that one. It's about the, the, um, what do you call it? When um, God was supposed to tell Jesus takes up a few thousand Christians and uh -huh. what's it called? The rapture. It's kind of like a modern take on the rapture, but it's called the left behind. And, um, right. Yeah. The all about revelation. This it seems like, yeah, maybe this is kind of like a version they're playing out of a, a distancing from, from the normal human that we will be. But go, sorry, carry on. It just popped in my head. No, it's there all good, a, mate. Yeah. Fracture, yeah. Yeah, so, well, I just think it's hard for us who are on the outside of the fracture to watch it. And this is, case in, but this is, of course, the case in every nation, let alone these nations, you know, but we are. So the mindset shift I was recommending to people, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it is a, a bit of a soldier mindset but it's really you have to stop looking at them as overlords and look at them as as enemies right um i when i do the work i've done how i've got government support and private support for our plan of withdrawal from agenda 21 2030 so essentially un withdrawal this is like brexit on a much much bigger scale if we were to pull it off we're making progress real real progress but what reason that I've even managed to attempt that is because of a mindset shift. I don't look at Schwab and Gates as my overlords. I look at them as my enemies. I look at them as my opposing force, not as people above me. And it's a simple mindset shift that we all need to have. We all need to stop going, no, this is tyranny against us and start going, I'm the opposition. I'm the opposing force. You're not over me. You don't have your boot on my throat. I'm going to have my boot on your throat, right? No, hopefully it doesn't come to that in a physical sense but i think the mindset's important it absolutely is yeah it absolutely is and i think because we we saw these coming and we knew these people as enemies for a long time or we we certainly knew that they were they were against our, our ideal um uh, our idea of how the future should be that we saw these people straight away for what they were people are only just coming to terms with it and then i mean from tony blair like that the next one i can go on to is that tony blair's been um i don't know if you know this but i'm sure you do He's been um been he's about to be knighted over here because that's what you need. You either have to be a massive paedophile or or a tax dodger or a war criminal to get knighted in this country. I mean, other than that, or apparently you're in take that, but that means you are a tax dodger as well anyway. So you can get right. that if you fancy it. So yeah, Tony Blair has been knighted. So Tony Blair has been made a knight commander of the most noble order of the garter. That's not a sexy thing that happens on a on a hen do. That's um that's ridiculous what ridiculous title i'll go can't i just be called like a knight can't i just be what about the get rid of the garter thing it sounds a bit i mean i've got enough problems being tony Blair. <laughs> so yeah. and a petition a petition has come out and 
uh, in the UK. And honestly, a lot of, I don't know if the number here, but it's, it's to the point where they might have to track that one back. So Tony, Sir Tony Blair has been made a knight companion of the most noble of the Garza, the most senior form of knighthood, which has been bestowed upon all bar one of his predecessors in the Queen's reign. The Queen, yeah. Right. So this doesn't mean anything to anyone who really understands what these people are. This is all just fancy nonsense bollocks. But there is a change.org petition which accuses Sir Tony Blair of being personally responsible for the death of countless civilians and servicemen. He was. He lied about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq that were never there. And he did cause the death of all. I mean, this is just straight fact. Everybody knows mm -hmm. this. So to say that didn't happen is cognitive dissonance or you're just plain lying. Um, but unlike the New Year's Honours list, which is drawn up by the government of the Queen's approval, the Order of the Garter is bestowed as a personal gift by the monarch herself. So she slipped the garter on Tony herself with her own little clawy hands. That brings up some horrible imagery. Of <laughs> it does, yeah. I kind of want to paint that. I might paint that later, actually. Or do I can just like imagine her like pulling up her dress and like slipping yeah. on something on her leg like it's wedding night. Or uh, like, like and... a little, yeah, a talons all out and she's hanging off the ceiling at the time. Can Makes not... me want to shout 1776 and get my rifle. Yeah, absolutely. I think we might come to that eventually here. So... Yeah. Yeah, but basically there's a lot of people saying that you shouldn't get it. Um, almost 200, yeah, da, 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 so anyway. But yeah, um, he is going to be knighted. He's been knighted already, but yeah, they wanted to retract that one. And um, yeah, the only person I know to ever say to give it back or refuse it was John Lennon. Was there anyone else? And obviously David, we know Bowie. To him. David Bowie. Did he? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, he did. Okay. Yeah, he was offered one and, and uh, he turned it down by basically saying, I don't understand what need for that there is well, that, that so, makes me more respect for david Bowie. my mom yeah. went on a date with david david bowie once oh really yeah, oh, weird, isn't it? about I nine months before went. i was born apparently um <laughs> yeah my uh my mom used to uh go out with the uh bon scott and angus from acdc so there's that as well <laughs> is back that in those well? the boomers man the boomers the boomer generation <laughs> it's so insane they're like uh, but yeah, no, the, the Blair thing I, I'd heard, it's no surprise. I mean, to people like us, it's, you know, and I think they're probably priming. Uh, pr and actually, this brings me on to another point, which I will want to get to as well. But I think they're priming people for this idea that leaders no longer have to be elected. Right. This uh, this idea of, you know, technocracy. We, we know this. Right. And I'm sure everyone who listens to this understands these things by now as well. And I, I feel like the Blair thing and just the general discrediting of the government that's in place now and the raising up of people who are not government, it, it does start to look a bit suspect, right? It starts to think they are, it's almost like they're priming people for this, well, Brussels style bureaucracy where the commission isn't elected, which is why Brexit was always a good thing, whether it works or not, just for the simple fact that Brussels is the Western version of what they want the world to be, right? Now, China's way more accurate, but Brussels has been like that already for like 30 years, you know, so no elected body creating laws for an entire continent, half a billion people. So Mark, how, how, how would that work? Like, how would that come to be from where we are now? How would they get that in place? I mean, if you had no elected bodies, I mean, how would that work? How would they get the people in charge in charge? I, I, I literally have no idea how would that would actually function from where we are well as per agenda 2030 and what old shivab calls the great reset it's a combination there's if we look at it as like three pillars but it's it's basically corporate stakeholders on one side 
and then uh, elected officials on the other side. That's what uh, it is. So what we basically see is, uh, you know, state city governments combined with, for example, the case that we're fighting in Montana, six corporate stakeholders. So six corporations on one side that are already by 2030 in the legislation to be part of that system now. So what that basically means is six corporations now get to have as much influence in the law, in the regulation, in the economy, as the government, right? So that's what the great reset, when uh, old Schwab talks about um, stakeholder capitalism, what he's talking about is agenda 21 corporate stakeholders where they have a stake in the legal system as much as the government, right? So that's the, the general end goal. But there's a middle step that they don't often really talk about. And this is where you would start to see the, the reduction of elected government. There's a middle step, which is the academia and NGOs, right? So. If you go on the World Economic Forum website and you actually look at the global governance section and you look at the Great Reset section, global governance is so out in the open that they literally have a spider's web on the World Economic Forum with global governance in the middle spreading out to every area of the world. That's how out in the open global governance is, which is why I've always said we, well, we were looking at the wrong term for years, right? We were looking for world government and it was never there. So, and then you look at that, there's a there's a there's a middle section which is academia like Oxford, uh, Harvard, you know, big institutions, alongside NGOs, right, non-governmental organizations like the World Health Organization, etc. So you have like three layers: corporations who will control, who have a stake in the state, a a, a legal real stake, not just a backhanded deal. Then you have the academia and the World Health Organization and stuff like this, and then you have the government. So all that will happen is over time, the government's influence in that three-way, that threesome they have going on will become completely redundant because the corporate stakeholders and the non-governmental organizations will control the entire legislation. And that's how it's all completely mapped out. I have other theories on how they'll pull it off, but everything I just said is already in place and I, I've proved it on in my work already. So what I would say, if we were to take this to now, let's fast forward a couple of years from now we could imagine we've we've gotten rid of Johnson, we've maybe even gotten rid of the Conservative Party, but no one is really electable. No one is really being elected. Everyone hates them. Well, that's when you start to see, okay, it's fine because we have our corporate stakeholders who already are involved in the vaccine passport system, the vaccine system, the sustainable development goals. So they combined with the scientific officer who would be maybe someone else, not witty, combined with Oxford University and all these things, they are going to put forth proposals, right? Uh, just in the same way it happened in the European Union in 93, when they signed the Maastricht Treaty, they literally just signed a treaty, and now Brussels controls the fucking continent of half a billion people without being elected. So what I'm describing here is actually far more intricate and complex than what they already did when I was a kid, right? Which is just literally sign it over. <laughs> That's literally what they did. They were like, oh, we're just going to sign over Europe to an unelected body. And everyone was like, great, it's good for the economy. And then you have all the leftists that are like, well, at least it beats those British fascists who just want, you know, their own nation back, right? We, we know the types that are like, oh, God, they're all racist. I'm like, you literally just signed over the control of a continent to 12 to 24 people who don't get elected. Good job, right? So it could be that simple. You know, it could just be they just literally sign it over publicly like they did in the EU. Or it could be more intricate as I expect it to happen which is just between now and 2030, 
the government will influence will just get continually eroded and reduced till it's basically nothing. And the public won't want them, right? Because the, the public aren't projecting this onto Schwab or Gates. The public are projecting this onto Biden and Johnson, right? Which I, again, I think is part of that agenda. The, Gisler, the, the Jelaine Maxwell stuff is actually a point I was gonna bring up because the trial's been going on here with the you know, Epstein abuse and stuff. And this ties into this whole thing we've just been talking about. I looked at this ABC news documentary, which is as mainstream news as it gets, horrible. But yet they were bringing up how Ghislaine Maxwell was, you know, had Trump, Clinton, um, basically presidents in the book. And they were making it obvious that they were calling these people out. Now, Trump, you'd expect, but not Clinton and, and some of these other people. So, you know, I turned to my wife and I said, they're priming people to start rebelling against the government because they don't want the government there anymore anyway and yeah, I we think had that, that here mark like yeah. do you remember about not long ago and i was trying to say a, 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 another researcher that we're both familiar with was talking about how the government coming out and saying they, they did an internal investigation into why this all covid nonsense happened and it just so happened to be that boris didn't do enough quick enough and i was like well clearly they're going to blame him blame him because he's taking the fall and that seemed to be part of what you're saying here is priming people to just want have no none of it at all and mm -hmm. then not really thinking beyond what they're going to replace it with um that's why i was so against like that one it's ridiculous having someone within the a government judging its own behavior and then blaming itself that you didn't do enough um enough it weren't extreme enough is absurd and ridiculous it's almost laugh well it is laughable it's just stupid but the long-term point of that is that they come back to that and say that this is not fit for purpose anymore and then we need to worry about what they're going to replace it with does that make sense mm -hmm. yeah yeah for sure and that like i said it could be a gradual erosion which gradual in our current timeline is five years you know whereas gradual when we were kids would have been a half a century now gradual is just a matter of the number of single-handed years right so let's say you know over five years from now this trajectory continues yeah i it could be very easy for them to just say look we already have the system in place we talked about the great reset in 2020 it's now 2026 um the world economy is in ruins because we basically just pumped it full of debt money for five years to keep you strung along now that we've had you all jabbed and using the passports we can finally admit that there's no money left and the system's down and we're going to have to do the reset the reset's going to involve the experts taking control, which is the corporations that control the money supply in your jurisdiction, in your region, which is the corporate stakeholders, stakeholder capitalism, combined with, you know, real experts that are going to help the city governments, right? Are going to help the state governments. This is academia and, you know, World Health Organization, United Nations, etc. And that's it. And then, you know, by 2030, there is no government anymore. They are the government and they already are, right? It's just, it's going to become obvious as each year goes by. People rebelling against the government, I understand it. It's just, it's not a solution. The reality is, is that if we don't, if we don't have some kind of government of our own making, there's no guarantor, right? I say this to sort of anarchists a lot. Anarchists say like, you know, we just need to get rid of all systems of control. I'm like, nature abhors a vacuum. There is absolutely no way you're going to get rid of power. You're going to remove one. Someone else is going to take the vacuum. That's it. 
nature doesn't have vacuums. So someone, someone else is just going to take it. Same in Mexico. They're like, oh, there's no government in Mexico. Well, the cartel just took the power. Someone is going to take the power. So at least under a constitutional system and an English common law system, if we can keep that, we at least have a guarantor, right? We don't have a guarantor with corporate stakeholders, with NGOs, with the Great Reset, with Agenda 21. There's no one to guarantee our rights. A government at least is supposed to do that in principle. And while it isn't doing that, that's because not because of the tool, that's because of the wielders of the tool, right? It's like a gun. I've got a gun. I've never shot anyone with it. It's not the tool. It's the wielder of the tool. So I, I just get very suspicious with placing all the blame on the government when I know that they want to get rid of government, you know? It's a good, let's go back to the Ghislaine Maxwell um, case then, because obviously that, that seems in that context have a completely different, um, there's a dog barking outside. If you can hear <laughs> that, I'm sorry about the dog. Well, I can't it's good. Yeah, I can't do anything about it. It's outside. It's not my dog. So, um, but the Ghislaine Maxwell, I, I spoke to a guy called Kristen Harris. He was there actually reporting on the case. One of the very few people actually there in the courtroom itself reporting on the case. Um, and um, he's also there at the Rittenhouse one as well. He was actually a, a witness there because he recorded some of the footage that they used. Um, right. But um, so in the context of what you were just saying, and you wanted to get across to this, this case, could it be that she went down, she might not actually be in prison, but she went down because they're going to use her later on to bring some other people down for the purpose that you've just described, that she's a tool to be used later on and to bring these other people down in this little black book that nothing gets out without being out on purpose. We know that it's all orchestrated years down the line. So is she a, a cog in the wheel for later on? Is she a, a bullet in the gun to bring the fact that, that these, these people are, one, doing what they're told right now, with an ends to be to drop them all in in the future um and sacrifice them all and maybe they feel that that's their job role in this whole situation anyway yeah well i think so i i think you know when it comes to the master levels of strategy that the higher people operate in they they have things mapped out very far in advance and you know i have to give credit where it's due I've read Spignew Brzezinski, for example, who is a master strategist and, uh, you know, trilateral commission, chief technocrat, of course. But he was a very, very, very intelligent man. Like his, I've read his books and he strategized decades ahead of time, decades. Um, literally, if you read the book, for example, from the 1970s, the America between two ages and the technotronic era, he's talking about things that only became apparent to most people in the 90s or 21st century and you know doing it 40 sometimes even 50 years ahead of time right now yes it's easy to say it's easy to do that when you have the power and it's easy to do that when you have the influence but it but it also does take ingenuity right one example would be he he always knew many many years ahead of time that they were going to have to fight afghanistan after arming afghanistan against the soviet union but the way he saw it is you defeat a bigger military threat now defeat a smaller one later now we all know the whole thing is not good we all knew afghanistan wasn't justified all of that of course but what i'm saying is it is a master strategy um, with decades in advance of seeing how pieces fit together so we really shouldn't underestimate how some of these players operate right uh, and that is how they operate so when we look at glenn maxwell uh, many of the technocrat in chiefs for sure will know that she serves a purpose now does she know i don't know maybe do the press know no 
but there will be people using it for that purpose for sure it's really interesting isn't it because when you look at things like like Infowars, i mean i think they've done some great work for the years but they stop short of talking they never hear anyone talk about the european bloodline families you never hear any talk about these these fat i mean this book is great it's the only book that i've ever found secrecy by amy and she's a friend of mine and she talks about the european bloodline families it's a very like personally released book it's not a big book not a lot of people have heard of it and hardly anyone but it's a book where she talks about the bloodline families ones that i've never known um, and they're all cartel families, European bloodline families. Something like, like Info will takes you to a level. There's always a governmental level. There's always something wrong with the government. It's a level, as you were saying. Do they serve a purpose, knowingly or unknowingly? I know that, 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 that um, the, there's the, the not Council for Relations, it's the um, Council for National Policy, never gets brought up at all. You never hear about the CMP at all. People, the only people who talk about that, and I don't agree with a lot of the work they do, but like, like people like John Brisson and some of those guys we've read the documents, they talk about this, the Council for National Policy. There's another side to this that doesn't often get talked about, which is kind of like the pincer movement. It's the exact opposite for the tri- um, the, uh, the Council for National Policy and the, uh, what's the other one you just, you just mentioned? Um, trilateral commission trilateral commission yeah so they're going along alongside of each other but they stop short it's all government-led take down the government the deep state of the government but they never say who the deep state is who's funding these people but we know there's european bloodline family money but and not just european bloodlines so there's chinese there's but these very rich wealthy bloodlines the only person i know who really talks about it dean henderson does Dean Henderson talks about it. Obviously, David talks about it. David Icke talks about it. Not as often as he used to, but he did talk about it again recently um, in, a, in one of his, uh, his uh, live talks at one of the, the rallies. He started talking about it again more. Um, but you never hear that everyone else just stops short and it's all government-led, or even though they know, they'll admit that it's all it's all a show, but they'll just say the deep state. What does that mean? It, it, does that serve a purpose as well? To Are we, I suppose what I'm getting at, do you see us as people that work in the alternative media, the conspiracy theorists, we serve a function of clearly it within the symptom system. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We, we clearly do. Why is Joe Rogan allowed to have the biggest show, biggest podcast show in the world when he's having people like Dr. Malone on? When we obviously serve a function to be used down later down the line, whether we know it or not, that that makes sense sort of ramp. Yeah, yeah. But, no, but we, we, we're an industry that's allowed to be. Yeah. You know, it's talking about the, Malone and McCullough thing with my wife about Rogan. I was like, that's very suspect to me because Spotify are extremely globalist, like as much as YouTube. They're not any, you know, more down to earth. So, and they've even given Joe Rogan uh, like penalizations before for way less controversial stuff, just like bagging on Antifa. They, they kind of told him to apologize. So there's something very suspect about that. I have a couple of theories on that, but to finish off on this point about their strategy, yes, we, our quote movement does serve a purpose, but I think it, it's more of like a pressure release valve purpose, right? So I'll give you an example. So often when I speak to people about what we're doing, the work we're doing at America 21, often people will say, oh, there's just no hope. There's nothing we can do. You know, they're too powerful. We can't change anything. And then that's when you start to see what, why this information has been allowed to circulate so much. Because there are those of us, very few of us, unfortunately, although we are going to grow as the situation becomes worse. But there are very few of us that take the information and go, oh, I need to apply this, right? I need to take this and do something with it. 90%, if not more, just stick on the information and never move forward. 
So it serves a very useful purpose because it, it releases the pressure on the people who need the outlet and who need to find the truth, who end up finding it, but doing nothing with it. And if you do nothing with it, it's completely fucking pointless, completely pointless, really. Like, you know, I often say to people that actually repealing Agenda 21 is more useful than knowing all of the stuff that we know, because it, it will actually lead to us getting a result, right? Like it's, um, I think that's been the main purpose of it, but there are, there are probably other reasons too. Maybe they're just switching. I did say oh, a long time ago, maybe just under a year ago, that I think they would switch and put more pressure against the vaxxed anyway over time. And the, the main reason being is because they have to start admitting once the damage is done, that they're open, of course, to changing, right? It's like, oh, look, we, we followed the science and the science was wrong. Fair enough, 50 million people, 500 million people are dead. Um, but, you know, we, we caught it early before it happened. We just caught it after we injected everybody. Yeah, you I know, imagine the carnage. This whole kind of shedding thing came out, and that was almost a little bit of that. This whole kind of, imagine the carnage if they, the mainstream media switch overnight to say it's the unvaccinated, the vaccinated that's spreading it, the vaccinated that are the ones that really need to be kind of quarantine imagine the carnage and they could switch that in that narrative in the mainstream media any night so everyone who's gone along with what they've gone and they know now that two boosters down like in the uk and fucking four injections and snitty six now and there's five in israel and it's like they know there's something wrong imagine that that narrative switching overnight imagine the carnage if you wanted to create chaos you'd switch that narrative overnight and i see that happening i i see the panic imagine knowing you've got this stuff in you and then you start allowing people like Dr. Malone and that who are telling the truth, but allowing that to come out mm-hmm. the fear and panic going, Oh my God, I've got this stuff in my system and it's going to take a year to get out. And, and all known the lipid nanoparticles might be accumulating in my ovaries and in my organs. And imagine the carnage then, because we know in the UK, we know the NHS is dead and it's a dead on its back. Now right. you've got, you've got at least 80,000 people leaving the NHS in April. And that's uh and that's that's not without the satellite jobs that can't come in and deliver stuff and, and take stuff in and and clean and, and the, anyone who's going in the hospitals that's working there needs to have it. So that's about one hundred twenty five thousand estimate, and that's what the, the figure I've seen. It's it's purposely clearly trying to collapse the NHS. Imagine mm. how bad it would be if suddenly overnight they switch the narrative, saying actually, if you've had the vaccines, you're shedding it, and you've not only that, we don't know this long term damage is a serious problem, and we can't get it out of you. Imagine if you wanted to cause carnage, that's right. that's on a knife edge. That could be done overnight, and I could see that happening quite soon. To be honest, as you say, they can only hide that so long. Then it's going to be, then it's going to be the you're still going to have that divide, aren't you? The unvaccinated are not want to want to go near the vaccinated now because we're I already going, don't. If I'm going to be honest, <laughs> yeah, well, I exactly. No, and it. I know you've said similar things before, but yeah. do you know what I mean? It takes a narrative yeah. in this mainstream media to switch it. They change the book. Take sure. that book out, stick the other one in. And I see well, that happening. with Islam, right? So, you know, 20, 2001, Islam was the devil. 2015, we need to change the demographic makeup of Europe. So uh, Islam's now our best friend and Christians are the devil, right? Just 15 years shift, right? Because I know David Icke has talked about this. People, you know, David Icke's not a right winger, right? David Icke's not a conservative, but he's, you know, he understands the agenda. So when he says that, they're moving in to change the culture and the, the, the makeup of nations. It's because it's true. It's because it's been stipulated in many of the books and the work for centuries. And I, I have it, he has it, right? So but the, the point is, is that they do this switch where they go from 
they hate you. And then 15 years later, literally Christians are now the devil and Islam is, is, is global ally. Right. And it's so it's not like this would this has not happened. But I, I, I don't know if they're going to do the switch that hard. I don't think they're going to come to our side and say, oh, the unvaccinated are, are, are the healthy ones. I think what they're just going to do is say, uh, because the vaccinated are actually a problem, we just have to go back into permanent lockdown. Right. Because if the premise is just to continue to go towards that system of isolation, regionalism, which it is then we have to think, how are they going to get back to regionalism? Well, you can't, even if you can travel vaccinated, that's not going to work. If we want to really go to regionalism, then we have to go to that final step of even if you're vaccinated, you're still a problem, right? So I think that's part of what they're seeding here. I think throughout this year and into next year, we're going to start seeing that more and more. They're basically just going to say the unvaccinated is still a problem, but the vaccinated are also a problem. And there's just no saving this situation. So uh sorry many of you might die and that's just the way it is and also we're just going to have to lock you into your tier system your your region right so i'm just kind of looking at the premise at its foundation and the foundation is to create regionalized global empire and how are they going to get to that point well they can't get there if people can travel even if they're vaccinated so they're going to have to break the vaccinated's back um at some point and what would be fascinating about that and i've pointed this out before if we're all hearing, if we can't travel from country to country and all we're seeing, the only thing we're seeing is on the internet, mainstream media, reports from other countries, how do we know we're getting the truth? And I know this happens. My, my partner was in, a, she lived in Ireland for a long time and she saw a report on the TV saying that this, this certain thing happened, some sort of uh, uh, terrorist incident happened in one of, the, one of the districts. And it actually turned out that, that what she saw, they were purposely staging this thing for TV. And because no one had gone there, then they didn't know this. They didn't know it was been staged, but actually it was staged. So how do we know? And we saw this happen in China with people just falling on the floor and vomiting blood. That was all just done for the internet. So my point is, if, if we've got regional areas, say I live in this part of the UK and I'm in south, the south of England, and um, how do I actually know if I can't travel to the North England what I'm finding out news-wise news on the internet is real? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because right. they could be saying it's, it's really bad over there and um, you can't go over there. I mean, we'll be so disconnected. We'll almost be in like completely different planets. It'll be mm-hmm. just different, different planets. We won't know what that person does over there and this person do. We can't move out of it. So we will be getting fake realities on the internet that would have actually nothing to do. And they won't know what we're seeing and we won't know what they're seeing from us. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So everything will be fractured because we're all living in an illusion of what we actually think these things are happening. And I feel like that's happening anyway. I really feel like we're not, because everybody, if I speak to someone in America, it looks really bad over there. And I'm like, it's not that bad at all. It's fine. And I wonder how true that is elsewhere. Yeah. I thought this too. I do have people on largely on my telegram group uh, who are from all over the place who let me know that Australia really is bad. You know, like um, I have a couple from Australia who not a couple, a couple of different people who say, you know, like I'm in Northern Territory, I'm in Victoria. I can't even I can't go more than five miles from my house. Right. So so there are uh, there are the guys who said to me that they they can't even work like being unvaccinated, can't even work anymore. Working isn't even a legitimate reason. So it seems that in the Australian situation, a lot of what we see is is actually the case. I also have heard Germans and Austrians say that what's happening there is the case. Um, Canada, though, is an interesting one 
Canada, like the UK, is one that I think is is exaggerated because from what I see Trudeau doing legislatively and then what I hear from people in Canada uh, is actually quite different. Like I know some people in Canada say it's like nowhere near as bad as Australia here, but it's made to seem as if it is. So I think there are, I think we check some balances. We just need to check in with people, you know, double check, double check our, our sources, right? But we know that regardless, it's all heading in the same direction, you know, so I, England definitely is doing better than most. Republican America really is business as usual, pretty much. But, you know, we can never be complacent, right? Because they're not going to stop. Yeah. But this is because we can still communicate with each other. What happens when we can't? Right. Well, this is, this is it, right? This is kind of how they, they cornered us into the weapons of mass destruction thing to begin with and how they've done many of these things, including China COVID, right? The beginning of 2020 with the people falling down. Closed societies are very hard to cross-reference. So if the world is a closed society, or at least each part of the world is closed, and the free flow of information is just as it is right now, what is dictated by the Ministry of Truth, then, yeah, I, I, you're right, which is why we, we just can't let it happen. Mm. You know, we can't afford to get to that place. And that's why I wanted to start this this series with you, this podcast with you, because I think it's important to compare. And we're coming to the end now. Compare what's going on over there, what's going on here. I know it's completely different because, like, looking at America is like just looking at England is one pretty much one state in America. So it's completely different. But it's interesting to see what's going on over, over there. And me and you have similar understandings, especially when it comes to the understanding of the long term agenda. You have much more understanding of of politics and global governance than I ever will. But understanding of the agenda. We understand yeah, yeah. it to the same degree of where it's heading. So it's interesting. And I, I hope people have, have um, kind of enjoyed seeing what it's like, because I think these these this should be a series in itself or, or a group of series for other people to people from different countries purposely meeting up once a month online to discuss what's going on there and what's going on here and just compare it and touch base and sort of try and get to understand what truly going on. And it, I, I think it's a cool, cool concept. That's a great idea. Maybe next time or the time after, depending on how long it takes to set up, we should have some live callers. Mm. I think um, I can post it in my Telegram because I have a bunch of different people from all over the world. Uh, if we can set up a live stream, we should ask some of them to join us and let us know what the situation is in theirs. Maybe we, let's, uh, let us know in the comments, guys, if you think that's a good idea, but I think that would be cool. I think it's a great idea. So before we go, would you, is there anything you want to say before we go? Any more points you want to bring up for the next five minutes? Well, I gotta, I've got to run on timing, but I will say this. Um, if you go, if uh, everyone listening, and you, Rich, will probably find this interesting if I haven't sent it to you already, but I, I posted a Columbia University study on my Telegram page. Yep. So it's t.me slash Mark Malone, M-A-R-C-M-A-L-O-N-E. Um, go to my Telegram page because I posted a Columbia University study, which basically says that only one in 20 of all COVID uh, reactions and deaths are reported, one in 20. So uh, Columbia University, ironically, is the home of technocracy as well, which you, you just can't make it up. It's the irony is delightful. So in this case, we're looking at, they put it as 187,000 deaths from January to August, uh, February to August in the US alone, this is. So that's a six month period. So we know it will be at least double, if not triple that by the time that we've gone in the other six months plus increased uptake, plus increased time. So we're looking at increased velocity, 
increase time. And if we look mm -hmm. at this, and I haven't built a model on this, I don't have the time to build a model, but if I were to build one, we would look at this as increased velocity. So you, the, the ramp starts to go up and an increased time, of course, so it goes on longer. Plus the increased velocity is the, not just the increased takeoff, but the boosters, right? So that increases velocity because you're adding, of course, more resource yeah. to the graph. So what we basically will end up seeing is if not double to triple that already, right? So that was a six month period. And that was really just the first and second backs at about half the population. Now we're at 70% with half of them being three times back. So mm. it'll be at least 400 to 500,000 deaths in America right now, at least. But judging by theirs, that calculation is correct. So we're looking at one in 20. So any figure you see, just simply multiply it by 20, you're going to get a more accurate read. So not 1 million adverse reactions, 20 million. Not 20,000, not 22,000 deaths, 450,000, if not more. Um, and again, these are just America. So we're looking at a, you know, a very serious situation, as I'm sure you know, we all know, right? But if you go to the Telegram, look at the reports, share it. Get it in yeah. front of as many people as you and can. What is your, how do people find your Telegram? I'll put the links below. But Yeah, so it's, uh, when you search for Telegram, if you don't have an account, if you, if you have a Telegram, just literally yeah. search for my name, Mark Malone, M-A-L-C, M-E-L-O-N-E, you'll see it come up. Um, because my telegram is literally just at Mark Malone at my name. So you'll see my account, but if you don't have a telegram, you just type it in the browser t.me slash Mark Malone. Um, yeah. And it should be the last post up. I'm going to leave it up for a while. Um, there it is guys. I don't know if you can see that No, because the, the thing's too bright, but I will put it, I'll put it in the link. That's a better idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, that's a really important post. I think so I just wanted to plug that one. Okay. that's uh get out in front of as many people as you can okay well guys i'll put that in the link below i hope you enjoyed this please leave us some comments below i really think this concept um is a really cool concept and mark thank you for your time there you're busy hope you fixed your your toilet when it spilled last week um, yeah toilet burst <laughs> and I'll, yeah i'll speak to you in a, in a four weeks i will speak before that but uh, four weeks time yeah. so this one's every month thanks mark for your time i'll speak to you in a bit mate i appreciate it mate i'll catch you soon take care cheers